Great to see you all. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and I'm part of our preaching team and I want to welcome you here today. You know, one of my favorite stories, and I don't know if it's true or not, uh, but it's still a pretty dang good story, is about these folks who were studying, they're trying to study group behavior. And so uh, like you do, rather than watching groups of humans, you get together a group of monkeys, right? This is how experiments work in our world. But uh, so the idea was, uh, let's get a group of monkeys, we'll, we'll put them in a room, and in the middle of the room is a pole. And at the top of the pole is a bunch of bananas, all right, so they uh, put this group of monkeys, handful of monkeys into this room. The monkeys see the bananas and go bananas, right? They go crazy for it and they start climbing the pole, scratching, clawing, trying to pull each other down to compete to get who can get to the bananas, right? So they do this and then they take the monkeys out and they run it again and they put them back in and they go crazy and then they take them out and they put them back in and they go crazy. Well, after they do this a few times, they decide to make a little shift in the experiment. They decide to take out, uh, or I'm sorry, but we'll, get, we'll get there. Okay, that's the, that's the next phase. But the second part they do is they rig it where when the monkeys get to the bananas, uh, there's a bucket of water that douses them with water. So they put the monkeys in the room, say, hey, go for, the, go, go for it. Right? They see the bananas, they go for it. They get the, they get the bananas doused with water. They take them out, they run it again, they run it again. Well, they get to the point where after doing this a few times, the monkeys go in the room and they don't go for the bananas anymore because they know if I go for the bananas, I'm gonna get doused with water. I don't want that to happen. All right, so then they say, hey, let's make this even more interesting. And so they take out one of these original monkeys and they, they replace it with a new monkey who hasn't been part of any of these experiments. And so the monkeys go into the room and they see the bananas and they see the water, but the new monkey goes for the bananas. Right? Because he doesn't know about the water. He hasn't been you know, conditioned to that yet. And the existing monkeys, they do something very interesting. They start clawing and scratching and grabbing and pulling him, trying to protect the new monkey from getting to the bananas and getting wet. Right? They, they, they say, hey, you don't want to do that. Right? They pull him down. Well, what the experimenters do that's so interesting is, is that they go through, they end up just replacing one by one all the original monkeys with new monkeys. And then they replace the second generation of monkeys who by this point have learned like, okay, we don't do that. They start replacing them with a third generation of monkeys. And here's what they find. They find that eventually what happens is a brand new monkey who hasn't been part of any of this, doesn't know about the bananas, doesn't know about the water, doesn't know about anything, will start to go into the room and not go for the bananas anymore. It's like there's this unspoken I mean, they are monkeys, so everything's unspoken. <laughs> There's this unspoken understanding. We don't go for the bananas here. You don't want to do that. And to me, that story is the perfect description of, of culture. See, every group of people, every family, every workplace, every church, every team, every company has a culture, right? The culture is just that understood sense of what's normal here. We do this, we don't do that, right? Sometimes it's a vibe. Sometimes you could describe it as traits. Uh, but, but here's what's really interesting about it is, is a company can say, hey, here's our culture. Here's all of our values. Who cares what you say? What matters is what do people experience? Like what's the sense? What's the unspoken like, okay, this is how we do it here. 
Well, that's what we're talking about in this, uh, this week and next week as it relates to our church. Um, we are coming up on our 15th anniversary, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment. And uh, in the pre-launch phase, so I think about just rewind the clock 15 years ago, before we'd ever had our big grand opening service as a new church plant, I would meet with people and they would say, hey, I'm kind of curious about what you're doing. Is there any way I can be involved, any way I can help? Um, now, granted, this wasn't lots of people. This was like a dozen people, right? It's a brand new church. And they'd say, how can I help? And I'd say, listen, there's going to be a lot of tasks to do and a lot of places to volunteer and whatever, but here's the number one thing I'd love to ask you to do. Would you help us create a culture that is really God-honoring and really fun? Because that culture is going to actually outlive us. It's going to outlast us. And, and here's what I would do at that time. I would say, you know what? Will you help us create a culture that 10 years from now is going to be something that honors God and is really fun. And I could have said 100 years, because that's how far away 10 years felt. And now here we are at 15 years, and we're in this process of relaunching our church as Ironwood Church. And, and so this week and next week is really a conversation about what's our culture? Who are we? Who have we become? And who are we? See, here's what's interesting at this phase in our church. We're now 15 years in, right? At the beginning, when you say, well, here's who we're going to be, all that is is at best wishful thinking. Right, any church planner is going, here's what I hope, here's what I'm aiming at, here's what I read in some books, here's what I wrote that I thought would sound good. We're now at 15 years, and we have to really ask the question, who have we become? And who are we? Not who do we want to be, but, but who are we? What are our traits, right? So even as we were thinking about this series, we were thinking, okay, we're not really talking here about core values. Values are somewhat aspirational. We're talking about what are our core traits? Who are we? And so that's what we're talking about today and next week. So here's a little bit of how I want to do this message is I want to share with you uh, some information and then a challenge and then an invitation. Okay, some information and then a challenge uh, and then an invitation. And uh, the scripture part will be in that invitation. So let me just do some of the, the information and challenge part at the beginning. So if, if this is all surprising to you, if even just hearing, wait, what's changing? Uh, that's a surprise to you. Let me just try to catch you up real fast. It's been interesting over the last few weeks. I keep meeting people who are first-time guests and they're going like, hey, I heard something's changing. What's the, what's the story? So here's the story, okay? We are uh, part of Redemption Church. We've been one church with 10 congregations. And that one church with 10 locations, 10 congregations, is becoming 10 distinct churches. So that's what's happening. A lot of you heard me talk about that a few months ago uh, when we explained that to you and rolled that out. And here at Redemption Gateway, we're in the process of becoming Ironwood Church, which I'll tell you about more in a moment. And so this, this change is really happening on January 7th. So there's three big things that are happening on January 7th, all right? The first one is we are moving to new service times on January 7th, okay? So that's 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. Right now we're at 9, 10.45, and 4 p.m. In, in January 7th, we're moving to 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 AM, right? That's the first thing. The second thing I already mentioned is our 15th anniversary. So we're going to just have a couple small and fun ways to celebrate that day. Uh, not making some big, huge thing of it, but just uh, something to honor uh, that uh, reality that God has been really gracious to us over the last 15 years. Amen? So we'll celebrate that. And then the third thing, January 7th, is we're becoming Ironwood Church. And uh, I love that name, and uh, the more I talk with you about it, the more it seems like many of you really uh, love that name and are into it and are excited about the future of what that name represents. Um, if, if you're kind of going, what is that about? Is that because of Ironwood Road? No, uh, it's because of the Ironwood Tree. 
When we moved onto this campus uh, almost five years ago, we planted an 80-plus-year-old ironwood tree. We didn't plant it. We transplanted it. And that was a picture because the ironwood tree is this tree that's native to Arizona. It's part of the Sonoran Desert, and uh, it's this tree that's really slow-growing, but it becomes really, really hard, really, really strong, really, really dense. And uh, it's what's known as a keystone species in the desert, which means all these other things thrive around it. Uh, in fact, our kids director, Laura Lefever, she was uh, putting together some stuff to tell the kids about this transition to Ironwood Church. And so uh, she turned to ChatGPT, uh, which is just fun to kind of always see what are they going to come up with, and said, hey, tell us about uh, the Ironwood tree. And here's what ChatGPT said is the Ironwood tree is the best friend to other plants and animals. That's pretty good. That's what we talk about. We want to be the best friend this community has. So that's what the Ironwood uh, tree is about. And so it's a picture of strength. It's a picture of stability. It's a picture of being blessed to be a blessing. And so January 7th, we're going to go with that new name. And so with that, we have a new logo. And I'm excited to show that uh, to you today. So uh, we've got a new logo. Here is our uh, Redemption R. Doesn't that look nice? And it's a great logo. And I've loved this. And I don't know what this stuff is about, but we'll get rid of it. Um, pretty nifty. All right. So we've got this Redemption R. And we are shifting our logo to Ironwood Church. So here it is. Ironwood Church, everybody. Give yourself a hand. So this is our new full logo. Uh, most of the time you'll actually see it just the word mark, just Ironwood Church. And uh, that word mark is just very simple. It's simple, it's classic, um, it's uh, elegant without being kind of uh, gaudy. It's something we feel like we're gonna be able to keep for a long time. Uh, and then we've got the stamp and sometimes you'll see the stamp show up in different places. Think about it this way, the name is like your full signature. The stamp is like when you would give it your initials, okay? So here's what the stamp is about that I think is pretty cool, is the stamp, if you look at it, think about it, it's, a, it's the picture of a tree from above. So it's a tree, if you will, from God's perspective. And I love that because ultimately what we care about most in this whole thing is what does God think of this place? And we're not mostly going, what, what, what do people out there think? That's a relevant question, but not the most important question. The most important question is what does God think? And so it's a tree uh, looked at from above, from God's perspective. The other thing that's cool about it, this tree, if you look at these branches, these, you, you could see it really as branches or as roots. And I think that's pretty cool because we're a church that isn't just concerned about how do the branches look, what's the external thing, but actually what's the healthy system under the ground that nobody sees that actually is leading to the fruit. Because the reality is if the roots are healthy, the fruit will eventually be great. And the vice versa is true as well. So that's a thing that's pretty cool. The other thing that I like is this is just in a sense a, an ordinary a tree. Like you kind of look at it and you go, yeah, okay, it's a tree. Some of you are going like, but is that the look of an ironwood tree? And no, it's not. It's just the look of a tree. But here, here's, here's why that I think is actually pretty cool. Because even after I did that whole sermon where I talked all about the ironwood tree, dozens of you have come up to me in the last few weeks and gone, hey, uh, Luke, which one's the ironwood? <laughs> which one is it? I can't, I can't really tell. Right? It's not a palm tree. Right? It's not a blue spruce where it's just like, oh, obviously I see that. Like, you kind of look at the ironwood tree. Uh, do you want to get, you, you can guess on your way out which one it is, or you can ask me and I'll show you. It's the big one out by this eastern uh, lobby. Um, but here's the thing, you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's a tree. It just looks pretty ordinary. But, but if you actually know what the Ironwood's about, you go, oh wow, this is strength and this is blessing and this is best friend to other stuff. And I think that's actually what the church is supposed to be. 
you look at us and you go, yeah, they're pretty average. They look pretty ordinary. But when you kind of get under the surface and you realize, oh, wow, these are people filled with the spirit of God. These are people motivated by the love of Christ. These are people who have eternity promised forever because of what Jesus did on the cross for them. Like, wow, it starts to become extraordinary. So that's our logo. Uh, that's our uh, stamp. And uh, you're going to begin to see that uh, more than you ever wanted to. All right. So that's where uh, we're going to that. So that's the information. Uh, January 7th, those three big things, new service time, 15th anniversary, Ironwood Church. All right. Now here is the challenge. Here's what I want to challenge you to. And this is for those of you who consider this your church home, right? If you're a guest with us today, man, thank you for coming. Um, I hope you'll fill out the connection card that's there in the program and so we can follow up with you. But what I'm about to say, you can just listen in on. This isn't for you. This is for those of you who th you consider this your church home. Maybe all year, maybe seasonally, but this is your church home. All right, here's, here's the challenge. I want to challenge you to, in this new year, begin to attend one service and serve at another one to attend one and serve one. There's a few roles in the church where you could actually attend and serve at the same service. But for most people, uh, I wanna encourage you to attend one service and to serve another one rather than just attend one and leave. If you call this church home, I want you to kind of help us out. Help make this thing go, right? You, you come in and you look around, it's like, man, everything looks like it's all set. Well, it's all set because of a bunch of people who attend one and serve one, and I want you to join that team. I want you to be part of that process. So, um, so here's the challenge is attend one and serve one. And so that means you got to think through the services you're going to attend, right? So if we have 8.30 and 10 o'clock and 11.30, then, uh, then, then here's, here's kind of how you need to think about it, is if you, you're here at the nine o'clock service, if you're a regular part of the nine o'clock service, here's what I'm asking you to do. Will you move to 8.30? Thank you. Thank you. He's, see, Judah's in middle school. He's ready to do it. If you can get a middle schooler up for 8.30, you all have no excuse, all right? So, so, so this group, we're going to move to 8.30. Um, and then what, what we're asking is for the people at 10.45 and the people at 4, if they would really consider coming at 11.30. Right, because what I know is 10 o'clock's the prime time that the guests and the people who don't normally go to church, they're gonna be most attracted to that service. And so if you call this church home and like you're an owner, not just a consumer, right? You're a participant in the mission, not just a mooch of the mission, uh, then I wanna ask you, would you consider 8.30 or 11.30? Now, I do have one way. Here's one way for you to come at 10 o'clock and not feel guilty about it. You ready? serve at 8.30 or 11.30, right? Because if you do that, then you go, well, I gotta come at 10 because I'm serving at 8.30. I gotta come at 10 because I'm serving at 11.30. And uh, listen, I'm not gonna be, uh, I'm, not, I'm being kind of tongue in cheek about that. I'm not gonna like walk around and, you know, be mean to you. But, uh, but I do hope you'll join. So th this, uh, this code uh, will take you to a page where you can volunteer. There's a few specific areas we're looking for help. We especially need uh, kids ministry and guest services uh, volunteers at 11.30. A lot of our teams are looking pretty decent. Those ones need some extra help. And then here's one that I wanna just especially highlight for you is uh, we have a growing number uh, of kids who come to our kids ministry who have special needs. And one of the things we wanna do is make sure every time that a kid with special needs comes, we have some volunteers who can partner up and buddy up with them and walk with them and be with them and guide them as they go through the experience, and we're a little bit short on some folks who would be a buddy. And so uh, would you consider that? Would that be something that you might invest in as your ministry is to buddy up uh, with one of those kids? We'd love you to do that. So respond uh, to that code 
And uh, that's my challenge. Attend one and serve one. All right, so information, challenge. Now the invitation. Here's the invitation, and here's where we're going to get to the scripture, is I want to invite you in this next season, as I think about who we are and who we've become, would you join us in cultivating people with soft hearts and steel spines? That's who I think we've become. When I look back at the 15 years, like this wasn't part of our values back then, this wasn't on our website back then, but I look back at who I've become, who I see the leaders around me have become, who I see so many people in our church have become, and that's what I wanna invite you to become and to join us in helping other people become people who have soft hearts and steel spines. Now, I don't think it's really great when churches try to get into this why we're better than every other church. I think that's pretty ugly, to be honest. And yet, I do think there's some stuff that's special here. I don't think it's unique. I don't think it's better than everyone else, but I think there's some special stuff. And to whatever degree our church feels special to you, I want to suggest to you, I think this is actually what it is. I think what you're encountering when you go, man, I like, something feels good about this. I think what you're encountering is people with soft hearts and steel spines. And so I want you to join in with that, okay? So what do we mean by this? All right, soft hearts. Here's a description of someone with soft heart. Is gracious, kind, tender, warm, caring, fun, laughing at yourself, considerate, right? That's, that's a person who is a soft-hearted person. Like, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to be that? Uh, but we don't want to only be that. We also want to have steel spines. Here's steel spines as someone who's truthful, firm, tough, courageous, gritty, persevering, standing firm. I realize I used firm there twice, but that's because it's important, all right? So soft hearts, steel spines. Now, you go, well, wh- where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from, you guessed it, the Bible, all right? So the Bible has a way of talking about this. And so I want you to look, first of all, we're gonna look at three passages. I want you to look first at how Jesus is described in John 1.14. This is what we read just a moment ago. This is one of these classic Advent, Christmas type verses. Uh, John chapter one, verse 14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is kind of an interesting one. It's a word that means uh, tabernacled, right? The tabernacle was the place when the people were going through the wilderness. The tabernacle was the place where the glory of God dwelled. The tabernacle was the place where you met with God, right? It was the place where God met you here on earth. He's saying, God's come to meet you on earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Soft hearts, steel spines. That's what Jesus was. He was full of grace and full of truth, right? There's these times where you watch Jesus and you're just like, oh my gosh, he is like so gracious. He's so like over and above. Like one of my favorite examples is this place where there's these people who have leprosy. This man has leprosy and leprosy was thought to be this horribly unclean and contagious disease. And uh, this man is asking Jesus, would you please heal me? Would you please, would you please make me clean? Now, Jesus, because he has the authority of God by the Spirit, he at, at, at any moment could just go, yes, be clean. And in fact, that's what Jesus says. He says, I will heal you, be clean. But Jesus doesn't just say he'll heal them, and he doesn't just heal them with his words, but it actually says in the Bible that Jesus reached out his hand to touch him and said, I will heal you, be 
clean. This man had not been touched in years. He hadn't had someone draw near. He'd only had people lean away. He'd only had people be repelled. But Jesus says, I'll touch you. And rather than me catching your uncleanness, you'll catch my cleanness. Jesus is full of grace. But man, he's full of truth too. Like there's this one man, he's this rich young ruler. He's this young guy kind of full of himself. And he comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what must I do to have the kingdom of God? And Jesus is like, hey, man, you know, you got all the answers. What do you think? He said, well, basically keep all the commandments. And Jesus goes, yeah, except one more thing for you, since you got all this money. Uh, sell everything you have, give it away, and then follow me. And the guy's like, oh. I don't think I can do that. Now, what Jesus was doing, by the way, was he was exposing that the man wasn't actually keeping all the commandments because one of the first commandments is have no other gods except me. And he was showing him that actually his real functional God was his money. <laughs> and, uh, and so the guy walks away sad. And, and notice, Jesus doesn't go, wait, 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 you misunderstood me. Wait, 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 you know what? I can change the standard for you. Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. No, 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 Jesus is full of truth. He's going to talk to the Pharisees, these people who are heaping up burdens on people, and he's going to call them, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs. He's going to be full of grace, and he's going to be full of truth. He's going to have a soft heart, and he's going to have a steel spine. That's what we see when we see Jesus, but it's not just that. It's actually what we see when God introduces himself way back in Exodus chapter 34. Take a look at this. This is uh, Moses is there uh, on the mountain. He's encountering God. He's saying, God, who are you? What's your name? Tell me about yourself. And here's what God says. It says, the Lord Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. Anytime you see the Lord all caps like that, it's a, it's a way of saying the, the name of God, Yahweh. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, if you look at how the, how the Greek translation translates steadfast love and faithfulness, it's the exact same way that John 1.14 translates grace and truth. The steadfast love of Yahweh is the same as the grace of Jesus. The faithfulness of Yahweh is the same as the truth of Jesus. Why? Why was Jesus full of grace and truth? Because Yahweh is. That's who God is. And if you want to get to know who God is, you've got to look at Jesus. And Jesus, just like God the Father, full of grace and full of truth. But it doesn't stop there. This is also, by the way, what marked the early church. You know, the early church is just has, you know, a lot of us want to go back, man. Take us back to the early church. And take us back to the early church before all the problems. Which, by the way, started in Acts chapter (laughs) 5. Pretty, people are like, I want to be an Acts church. Which chapter? Uh, Because it got pretty bad. All right. But here we're still in Acts chapter four. And in Acts chapter four, it's describing what made the church powerful. Look at what it says. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord. What is that? That is the truth. And the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. 
What drove the early church? It was the truth about what Jesus did and it was the grace that was coming through the power of the spirit, right? It's grace and it's truth. This is what it is. It's soft hearts and it's steel spines. That's what it is. That's what it looks like. That's what we want to be and what's what I think by God's grace he's putting in us as we seek to follow him into the future. That's who we're going to be and that's who he is. And friends, we need both. You gotta have soft heart and a steel spine, right? Imagine, right, right you're gonna fly home for the holidays, wherever home is, right? And uh, you, you get to the airplane and you look out the window and, and you're like, wait a minute, uh, we got a problem here. There's only one wing. And you uh, ask the person at the gate, hey, uh, I know Southwest's been having some problems in the last few years, but... I didn't know we were flying one wing planes now. They said, oh, 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 don't worry, don't worry. Would you not worry? You go, I got some worries. They go, oh, what was it? You only like, you don't like it that it's only on the right. Would you, do you need it on the left? You go, no, 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 I need it on both. I, I don't want a one wing plane, right? This is the same thing. See, there are, Jesus is, is soft heart and steel spine, grace and truth. As Christians, though, we struggle with this. We fall off the horse one way or the other. And so you'll meet sometimes some steel spine only Christians. They got steel spines, man, but they don't have a soft heart. Here's what I wrote as I described. Steel spine only Christians, they know the truth, have tons of confidence, won't be intimidated by culture, won't let suffering win the day, but they're often judgmental, sarcastic, slow to forgive, and impatient. They're bold, but not humble. Truthful, without grace. Don't want that. On the other hand, they're soft heart only Christians. They love listening, making people feel loved. They find it easy to forgive and to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. But they often compromise in the name of love. They struggle to endure pain and they won't shoot straight if it makes somebody feel bad. They're humble, but not bold. Gracious, without truth. And I think the secret of discipleship becoming like Christ and of mission reaching the world around us is to be full of grace and truth. I think that's why Jesus was so stunning to people and so startling to people. And that's what I would love for our church to be is that, is that your friends and your neighbors and your family, when you invite them to church, they start to go, I don't, I don't think I can totally categorize this thing. I don't know where to put it. I don't have a bucket for this. Uh, I had a golden retriever when I was a little kid. Riley was her name. And uh, man, just a beautiful dog. And uh, I loved to mess with her when I was a kid. And, you know, so I did what maybe you do sometimes with your dog. I would go, Right, she'd be looking the other way and I'd go, Psst. and she'd always go, <laughs> her ears would perk up and she'd tilt her head, start looking around. She couldn't figure it out. Psst. <laughs> she'd do that doggy head tilt thing. Here's the thing, I think the only thing that's gonna make the world do a, huh? <laughs> the only doggy head tilt thing is, 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 for your friends, your family, is if they see like, wow, this is, this is something different. Soft hearts, so kind, so compassionate, so warm, so caring, so not taking themselves seriously, but steel spines, 
truthful, courageous, tough, uncompromising on the most important things. Randy Alcorn has a really good book, short little book called The Grace and Truth Paradox. He describes living this way as walking on a tightrope. He says this, when you stand for truth, you're held in contempt by some non-Christians and even some Christians. When you try to demonstrate grace, you're held in contempt by some Christians and even some non-Christians. When you try to live by grace and truth, in some eyes you'll be too radical, in other eyes not radical enough. Some people hate truth, others hate grace. Jesus loves both. We can't undercut either without undercutting him. Now, uh, I started praying. I wish I actually knew. It was somewhere around seven or eight years ago that this started becoming, probably other than praying for the salvation of my kids, this is probably the thing I've prayed for more in the last seven or eight years than anything, is God, give me a soft heart and a steel spine. And I want to tell you why. Is because I, as I, you know, I'm 44 right now, so I was kind of nearing the end of my 30s. I'm an old soul, so I was starting to move into that midlife angst a little early. And here's what I was seeing in, in myself and seeing a lot of people, but especially in myself, is two significant temptations. One was a temptation to cynicism. The other was a temptation to compromise. Let's talk about those for a moment. Here's how I wrote it. I said, life is so disappointing that it can lead you to a steel heart rather than a steel spine. That's cynicism. That's a steel heart. It's cynical. It's like, yeah, I've seen it, been there, done that. Oh, they're all so excited about their faith. We'll see. Oh, my kids are like following Jesus. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, this person, they have a lot of impressive, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Oh, that pastor, that church, yeah, they're pretty good, we'll see. And here's, and here's why, listen, here's why we get cynical. Because life is truly disappointing. Because you get that diagnosis, you go, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I served you, Lord. And you do everything. You raised kids God's way. Have the books to prove it. And they wandered away. And you just look, and it's like this wave after wave after wave after wave of pain and suffering and disappointment, and people being hypocrites, and people being phonies, and people letting you down, and people who should love and protect you instead hurting you, and it's just over and over and over and over, and and you just, the human heart can only take so much disappointment, right? And so it makes all the sense in the world that you would start to go, I'm not going to let them hurt me like that. I'm not going to let it be disappointed. I'm not going to have any more hopes. I'm not going to have any more dreams. I'm not going to have any more prayers. Because you know what? God's not answering me. God is not with me. It doesn't seem like he cares much. So God, if I'm on my own, I'll just be on my own. Steel heart. Cynicism. And here's the thing. The longer you go through life... (laughs) It's so disappointing that the temptation is cynicism. On the other hand, the Christian life, so if life is so disappointing, it can lead you to steel heart. The Christian life, though, is so demanding that it can lead you to a soft spine. It can lead you to compromise, right? Because it is demanding. Pick up your cross 
and follow me. Lay down your life for me. Jesus says things like, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And you go, but what about these people? They seem pretty nice. What about those people I've never heard? What about, what about, what about, what about? What about this person who they seem like they had this vibrant faith, but now they want to live this kind of lifestyle and that's not contrary, that's contrary to the Bible, but they still say they're a Christian. What, what do I do? And the Christian life is so demanding. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. All in. Like, that's hard. Jesus said the, the street is really wide that leads to hell. A lot of people go down it. But the gate's really narrow that leads to heaven. Few find it. And so that's so demanding that it leads a lot of us to compromise. Well, I know the Bible says, but, you know, it was, and we start to question the Bible's authority. Or we start to question our convictions. I remember in the early days of the church, meeting with this guy who had a lot of experience in the faith. And he said, Luke, in your generation among pastors, you're going to see over and over your peers cave on these three issues. The Bible's the word of God. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And marriage is between a man and a woman. And you're just going to see people drop like flies. And he wasn't wrong. And so friends, that's why I, I can't speak for you. That's why I need. And that's why I've been praying for years. God, give me a soft heart because I don't want to get cynical. I don't want to lose heart. I don't want to assume the worst. I want to be able to suffer well and suffer with dignity and suffer with strength and suffer in a way that honors God and suffer in a way that says he's my ultimate treasure and I want him to rescue me but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to follow him. I want a soft heart like that and I want a steel spine that's gonna hold fast, that's gonna have conviction, that's gonna have courage, that's not gonna be tossed to and fro by the disappointment and the changing whims of people around me and culture. We need soft hearts and steel spines. So three quick questions. Question one, what is our mission? Our mission is to make disciples. Question two, what's a disciple? A disciple is somebody who's following and becoming like Jesus. And question three, well, what's Jesus like? Jesus has a soft heart and a steel spine. So that's what we're doing as a church. That's what we're trying to do is help people become like Jesus as we're doing on Sundays, in groups, in students, in counseling, in kids ministry, in classes, in the spiritual formation pathway. Everything we're doing is to try to help people become like Christ because Christ is full of grace, full of truth, soft heart, steel spine. So I told you, this is an invitation and I just wanna ask you, will you join me in this? Will you join us for this next season, for this next reality? I don't know how long you'll be here in this part of the valley. I don't know how long you'll be here on planet Earth. I don't know how long I will, but will you join me? I mean, for as long as we got, let's devote ourselves to help other, helping ourselves and other people become like Christ, full of grace, full of truth, soft hearts, steel spines. All right, so here's, uh, here's how you can join in is uh, five ways. This is, by the way, exactly what I told our launch team 15 years ago. This was the commitments they made. This is what I want to ask you to do as well. Would you come on Sundays and to some other group? Just like declare to yourself, 2020 is over. <laughs> All right? And uh, just pre-decide, right? The best decisions you can make in life are the ones you pre-decide. 
If you wake up every Sunday morning, you're like, should we, shouldn't we, should I, shouldn't I? Just pre-decide. I go to church and get in a group. Get in a men's group, get in a women's group, get in a co-ed small group, whatever the case is. Get in a group, get in some kind of community. Will you come to that, be part of that? Secondly, will you go to your friends and your neighbors with the love of Jesus? Will you be a person that has a soft heart and a steel spine? Because it's not just about getting them here, though that's part of it, but it's actually about embodying it so that when they encounter you at your workplace, in your neighborhood, on your kid's sports team, they start to doggy head tilt and go, whoa, there's something about this person. So come, go. Third, will you invite? Invite friends to join you. And uh, we try to make that as easy as we can. In fact, in your program today uh, are these cards. Maybe you open that program. Uh, go ahead and grab it and then uh, open, open it up. Maybe these already fell out for you. I don't know. Uh, but, but these cards uh, are a simple way for you to be able to invite people. You can take a step on this right now um, in the next few weeks. And you can invite people to Christmas Eve, right? This is a great opportunity to expose people who maybe normally wouldn't come to church, expose them to the truth of the gospel. And we put it on here. It says, will you join me? By the way, the you in that sentence is not you. You're the me. Okay. Everybody say, I'm me. I'm, yeah, you're me. And so here's what you're going to do is you're going to take this card and you're going to give it to somebody that you're praying for, somebody that you love, somebody that you think maybe, maybe there's a chance they'd come to this. And you say, hey, will you join me? Christmas Eve. Here's when I'm going to come. We left some space on the back here so you can write your phone number if you want to, whatever that is, but uh, invite people. So come, go, invite. We want to encourage you to serve in some way to advance the mission. That's what that QR code was, attend one, serve one. And we want to encourage you to give your financial resources to support the mission. So many of the ways we spend our money will just not last. But every time we invest in the kingdom of God, we're investing in something that will last forever. Friends, we need soft hearts and steel spines. We want to be like bison. Do you know about the bison? Something rare about a bison. You see it in these pictures. A bison is one of the rare animals that when the snowstorm comes, it actually turns into the storm and chooses to go through it. Stunning picture, by the way. Right, every other animal, oh, snowstorm's coming, burrow away. And I just want to tell you, life's a snowstorm. And this world's a snowstorm. And it's going to come at you with wave after wave after wave of fresh blizzard. And we're going to be bison. We're going to turn into it. We're going to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you to be with me. And I'm going to trust you to fill me with grace and to fill me with truth. And God, I'm going to ask you, would you give me a soft heart? and a steel spine. Let's pray. So Father, uh, we come to you and we thank you for Christ. Thank you for how he so reveals who you are to us. And God, our prayer is that you would make us like Jesus. God, I thank you for the ways that you've kept our hearts soft through the blizzards and through the storms of 15 years. And God, I pray for even more soft-heartedness. God, I also pray for conviction, for courage, for strength, to be uncompromising about the things that are most important. Give us that kind of conviction and courage. God, most of all, would you receive the glory and the honor and the praise in this next season? Thank you for who we are and who you've made us to be as Ironwood Church. God, help us to be that best friend our community has. Thank you.
Jesus' name. Amen.